Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So eight years ago, on this very Sunday, the date was a little different, but it was this Sunday exactly eight years ago, it was a brand new little church that had their third gathering ever. It was a Christmas, Christmas Eve service, just like tonight, on December 21st, 2014. Got some pictures up here to show you. Some of you may remember this. Building in Pekin, Camp of Champions. We had a few miscolored chairs. My son Benny turned eight that day. Eight. He'll be turning 16 in three days. And the message was on stars. There were, Holly wasn't uh, doing graphic design, as you can tell, so <laughs> I put that together. Hey, eight years ago, what can I say? Thanks, Dalt. And that night, just like tonight, I preached at Church 214, and this is how I opened my message that night. I laughed as I reread this. Good evening, church. If you do not know me, my name is Chris Taves. My family and I are so excited to be part of what God is doing here at Church 214. If you do know me fairly well, you know that I can get emotional when talking about God and what he's done for me. But I may have set a personal record when a couple weeks ago, a stamp, postage stamp, made me cry. And I went on to talk about walking into a post office and buying some stamps. And I had three choices that day at the post office. It was a Rudolph stamp, a snowman stamp, or the Magi. And in that moment, and see, there's ordinary moments when if you're walking with the Spirit, he'll just unleash on you, right? And in that moment, as soon as I saw the the Magi stamp, And the star in the corner of that stamp, the Holy Spirit unleashed this wonder and excitement and joy into my spirit that launched the word December 21st, 2014. And I want you to understand this because the foundation of anything is very important. Is it echoey? Am I echoing? Okay. Oh, I I know. I just want to make sure it's not just me. Got it. The foundation of everything is so important. The law of first mention is so important. It sets the foundation for everything. And that's why I'm going back eight years to tell you where we're going tonight, eight years later. God does not misspeak. He's so intentional. And things that I never even realized eight years ago that were spoken that night were meant for tonight and this next season that we're going into. Because the key verse from that night was Matthew 2, verse 10. And it says this, when they saw the star... They were filled with joy, with joy. And my friends, we're coming into a season of joy. Our foundation was joy, and God's reminding us of that, but that's not all. See, once the word of God is unleashed, it continues to speak. And that word was released eight years ago, but it's continued to speak, and it's speaking to us today. There's a foundation of joy for who we are and where we're going. See, God is so good. He's in all the details. I had no idea that a message the Holy Spirit wrote in 2014 would be so impactful eight years later. Why don't we stop and pray for a moment? Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for our history with you for what you've done and what you're continuing to do. That the good work that you started within us, you will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for this word eight years ago, the foundation of joy over this church that you you released over us. One of unity and your presence and one of light. That when they saw the star, They were filled with joy. So tonight, Father, we just say, like the angels do, we cry out, holy, holy, holy. 
worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us. And the whole earth is full of his glory. Father, remove the distractions and the hustle and bustle of what's going on around us in our lives in this next moment and allow us to focus on you and what you're about to do in our hearts, what you're about to open up, the doors you're about to open up in our hearts. And I pray against any deceptive spirits, anything that would try to rob us of the word of God, that we would slow down in this moment, then anxiety would cease and we would focus on your shalom and your goodness and your love. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for breaking in that one cold, dark night. We thank you that the light of the world broke in, put on flesh, and became the second Adam to rescue and redeem every single person that's hearing my voice, if they choose. We pray this all in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Habakkuk 2.14, not the verse this church was named after, but <laughs> there's a lot of good 2.14 verses. This one's so special to me. It says, but the time is coming when the earth shall be filled with the yada, the intimacy. Knowledge is a bad translation there. The intimacy of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. See, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ were on a journey. Yesterday was a stepping stone, a foundation for today. Today is a step towards tomorrow. And you and I are going from glory to glory in a journey to become like Jesus. We're stepping after the one that we look like, following in the footsteps of the one whose image that we bear. And the closer we get to him, the more intimate our relationship is with him, the more and more we begin to look and sound like Jesus Christ, our master and teacher. That's why this yada, this intimacy is so important. Because the time is coming when the intimacy, the yada of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. Just like Ezekiel prophesied about the water flowing from the temple, it, it might be ankle deep for you now. There might just be a little trickle, but I'm telling you, you press into the Lord, you press into your intimacy with the Father, and it'll start to rise. The water level is rising. My friends, a flood is coming. It's not Noah's flood, but it's a flood of glory. And you can either embrace it and step into it, or you can do like most of Noah's counterparts did and scoff at it and mock it and be destroyed in the process. I've been asking the Lord for a couple weeks what he wanted to say tonight, pressing in, listening to him. And a couple weeks ago, right before breakthrough on a Thursday night, I was sitting right over here, right where Bill was. Hi, Bill. Love you, man. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this. He said, the house. Come into my house. Something special happens in my house. And as he was saying those words to me, I began thinking about it. in the last season, this last year or so, I've had so many visions of either a house, my house, or this house, Oak Street, that have been prominent in my visions, significant in the visions. Some of those visions I've released from this stage. Some of them are just between me and Jesus. Maybe one day I'll feel allow me to release those. And then as I was sitting where Bill was, I heard the Holy Spirit say, read about my birth again with fresh eyes, with new ears. And so I flipped to Matthew 2. There's two gospels, well, three really, that talk about the birth of Jesus. Matthew 2, Luke 2, and then John 1 talks about him coming into the world. And I flip to Matthew 2, and my eye catches this phrase. When they came into the house. Stop me dead in my tracks. This is all happening within like two minutes time frame. And then all of a sudden, I realize that the previous verse says, when they saw the star. 
they were filled with joy. I'm like, whoa, what is the Lord doing here? Because I all of a sudden remembered that message from eight years ago that was the foundation of this church. And I thought, this is very, very significant. So I began digging into it. And, you you, you know, (laughs) it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings, you and I, to search out his mystery. And the more you search his glory out, the more glory he's going to give you, the more revelation he's going to give you. So I began pulling on this thread that the Holy Spirit had given me. And I could see these eight years being interconnected, this foundation of joy. And a lot of people, everyone actually on our vision team and leadership team have said this next season we're going into in 23 is a season of joy. But I want to tell you tonight that joy is our foundation. But we're also coming into the house. See, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. When they came into the house, they were overcome. That's where we're at right now. We have a physical house now, praise God, 307 Oak Street. And I was so intentional, so careful to tell the team over, and they'll tell you over and over again, guys, this, we're not about a building. We're not about a building. It's all about the presence of God. We're not about a building. But I'm telling you what, and that's so true. I'm telling you what, the house is important because the presence is there. And there's things that shift and happen in this house because his presence is here. There's things that shift and happen in your house, in your neighborhood, because his presence is there. There's things that shift and happen in your heart, which is another house, because his presence is there. And when you come into the house is when you meet him. And you're overcome with him. That's where we're at tonight. Three different houses I want you to think of. Temple, your heart is a house, a temple. This is a house. The place where you live is a house. Do, are they inhabited by his presence? I want to paint the full picture for you. You've heard this story. The kids just told it up here on the screen. And sometimes because we're so familiar with something, we don't pay attention to it. I, I raised my hand. I mean, I've heard this story, thank God, for since I, was, I could hear. Because I was raised in an unbelievable, God-fearing household. And that's why the Holy Spirit has to remind me, hear it with fresh ears. Listen to it. 2,000 years ago, They were just coming out. They were in a season of seeming silence, 400 years of silence. And there was darkness. And maybe you're in a place tonight where your life feels dark. I see, I love the fact that the Lord came at night. I love the fact that light breaks into darkness. I love the fact that shepherds, like ordinary people like you and me, that's that's who he came to first. On an ordinary, dark night where they were not expecting anything other than to watch their sheep, to stay warm, and to do it all over again the next day. And in one unexpected moment, light breaks in. It had to be terrifying. Heaven literally touches earth. The word became flesh The one who was seated in the throne room took up residence on earth. Like, understand the impact of what happened in that moment. When we celebrate this baby born, it's not just a tradition. It's not just a time of family and friends. Yes, that's part of it, but it's all because of one reason, that a holy, righteous God, like Isaac preached about last week, cared about you enough to come and put on flesh and bones and come as the lowliest as a baby. He could have created himself as a 33-year-old man, but no. He put himself at risk, came as a baby boy. Light entered a dark world. 
This is God's entry into a broken and sinful world. Glory colliding with grace and peace. And all of a sudden, it wasn't just one angel that showed up. It was a whole army sky full of heavenly hosts, which had to be even more super terrifying to these shepherds. Light all around them. They hadn't even seen like lights like this before. Can you imagine? And they were praising God and they were announcing this. Another special verse. Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among the people with whom he is pleased. Unreal. Jesus breaks in as the second Adam to impute righteousness on us. And in that moment, the heart of the Father looks past all of our sin, all of our guilt, all of our shame, and his announcement to earth to you and me is shalom, peace. I'm really pleased with you because I'm seeing you through the eyes of my son. And the work on the cross isn't even finished yet, but I can see beyond time and space, and I love you, and I'm really, really pleased with you. Some of you need to hear that tonight, that your father is really pleased with you. No, he's not pleased with your sin, the thing that separates him, you and him, but he's pleased because he can see you through the eyes of Jesus Christ who puts his righteousness on you. And because of him, you are the righteousness of God. It was a creation reset. He looked around and said, glory is here. Jesus is here. It is very, very good. It's a significant night. We cannot take it for granted. And at the same moment, thousands of miles away in the east, in modern day, what would be Iraq or Iran, these magi saw a star. They saw a light. Now these magi, they were disciples of Daniel. Remember Daniel from the Old Testament? He was a prophet. They were disciples of his just 500 years later. See, years and years before, Daniel had been taken as a slave from Jerusalem. At 16 years old, he was most likely castrated so that he could not have sons. He was brought to an evil empire in Babylon. But, oh, he did have sons that outlasted every other generation. These sons of Babylon were the ones, or sons of Daniel, sons in quotes, were the ones that saw the star. And Daniel served four kings and several empires, and God released incredible revelation and wisdom to Daniel. And Daniel formed this group of, of wise men, of magi, magistrates, in Babylon 500 years before Jesus was born. And Daniel told them to look for the Messiah 500 years before they, 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 they saw it, on what, based on what the angel Gabriel, remember who Gabriel showed up to? Daniel, Mary, making the connection. And the Magi passed this knowledge and wisdom and revelation on from father to son to son to son to son to son until the moment when they saw the star. And Daniel would have taught them a prophecy from Numbers 24, 17, which says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. And then he wrote this prophecy himself in Daniel 12, 13. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like stars forever. Think about it. Generations of dedicated disciples of Daniel looking in the, in the sky for a sign, looking for a star. The wise, the magi. They took this journey leading many to the one who was righteousness. Daniel prophesied it. Led by a star to shine like stars themselves forever. And all of a sudden, 500 years later, there it was. I personally believe because God is so in the details that they saw the star at the exact same time that Jesus was born the exact same time that the angels announced to the shepherds. I believe those happened in simultaneous moments. I believe it happened in the moment when heaven broke through the darkness and the glory shone around the shepherds 
And all of a sudden, these disciples that have been waiting for 500 years said, whoa, that's what we've been waiting for, a sign. The king has come. And so they gathered up their treasures. I mean, if you've been waiting 500 years, you probably have a, some cool treasures to give this king. They gathered up their treasures. By the way, there weren't three of them. There were probably much more, at least 12. But there were three gifts. And they gathered up their treasures and they set out to find this new king. And it would have taken the Magi at least six months to arrive in Jerusalem slash Bethlehem. So at least six months or longer. Which is incredible to me because the first place they go is Jerusalem, which brings Daniel's life full circle. Because as far as we know from historical facts, Daniel, who served King Cyrus, who allowed the temple to be rebuilt, who allowed Jerusalem to be rebuilt, Daniel actually never went back to Jerusalem. So 500 years later, his disciples come back to find the king that he prophesied about. Never take what you do for the next generation for granted. It is so important. His love is for a thousand generations. You can sow good fruit or bad fruit. It's up to you. And just like Daniel, these magi, they had knowledge and influence, and they served as kind of political advisors, just, just like Daniel did. They were called, I love this, they were called kingmakers, kingmakers, which is very interesting considering the connection to the book of Matthew. Matthew lays out the genealogies that presents Jesus as the rightful king in line of Judah. And Matthew is the one that writes about the kingmakers coming to find the king of kings and worship at his feet. Nothing is by accident, my friends. And so the Magi keep following this star, the six-month-plus journey, where they journey to where the star leads them. And because they're political advisors and kingmakers, they go first to Jerusalem, to the palace of King Herod. Now realize that if, if you've got your Bibles open, you can open to Matthew 2, because that's where we're going to be. Now realize that these first 12 verses of Matthew 2 take place anywhere from six months to two years to play out. And sometimes we, we have to remember this when reading scripture that, that it doesn't, just doesn't all happen in a moment. If a book was written about our lives, it doesn't all happen in a moment. There's, there's things that occur between the, the periods and the next sentence. Amen? And the kingmakers, the magi, they arrive at Herod's palace and they ask Herod, where is this king of the Jews that was born? We've seen his star rising, and we've come to worship him. And, of course, Herod freaks out. And Herod calls the, the priests, the Jewish priests, and the scribes who have the history annals and, and, and what was then to become some of the Old Testament. And he, he says, where is this Christ to be born? And they say to him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you will go a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's why he's called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He was taking the rightful place as the king of Judah. And once Herod found this out, he secretly summoned the wise men for a secret meeting and said to them, hey, let me know what, what was the first time you saw this star appear. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go inquire concerning this child, and when you found him, report back to me so that I can come worship him as well. And just like in the video, he lied. He didn't want to worship him. See, you and I always have to be on the lookout in our lives to protect the house, the heart, this house, your house, for the spirit of Herod, the wolf in sheep's clothing, the demonic voices that say the right things, that say they want to worship Jesus, but really they just want to get close enough to kill him. Now, Bethlehem is only five miles from Jerusalem, so they were very close. And once they left Herod's palace, they saw the star again, and the star led them on that last maybe 90-minute journey. And then the star stopped. 
Kind of like the sun stopped in Joshua's day, the star stopped and it highlighted a house. It says, the Bible says, it shone over the house where this six-month or a little older boy was residing. See, Mary and Joseph and Jesus weren't with the animals in the stable anymore. The shepherds were gone back in their fields. Jesus wasn't in a manger at this point in time. This was six months or longer after the birth of Jesus. They were in a house. The journey of this church started off in that metal building in Pekin. Thank you, Camp of Champions. We're so appreciative of you letting us have that house, that temporary house. And we moved from here to there to over here until we came to 307 Oak Street. But it was always joy. We needed that process. It wouldn't have been good for us to have a building from day one. See, God sometimes gives you, a, he, all the time, he gives you a vision, but it doesn't mean it's for tomorrow. He has a journey leading you up to it when you're ready to take possession of that vision. Because there's things that you need to learn as you step towards the star, towards the house, that you cannot learn just in one moment. And this movement, this church started with joy. It continued with joy. And in that moment when the star stopped and it highlighted that house, the Magi burst with joy. They couldn't contain themselves any longer. They shouted and they celebrated with unrestrained joy. He's here. We've come to the end of our journey, our 500-year journey. It's the king that our fathers have been waiting for all their lives. He is here. And every step of the journey, even the moments where the spirit of Herod tried to manipulate them and take them out, the father led them through it. Are you listening to me? This story is not just about them. It's about your life. He's brought you through it. And you had to go through it. Because you're about to come into the house. Matthew 2, 10 and 11. And when they saw the star, they were so ecstatic that they shouted and celebrated with unrestrained joy. And when they came into the house and they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, they were overcome. Falling to the ground at his feet, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure boxes full of gifts and presented him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. That's our foundation. Eight years ago, when they came into the house, they were overcome. That's where we are right now. Your life is a journey of yada, of intimacy with King Jesus. And I think many of us follow the star and we have these moments, these pockets of joy here and there because, listen, joy is different than happiness. It says Jesus, for the joy set before him went to the cross. Joy means that even through the cross, you endure it. And some of us, we're, we're following this star, which is great, and then we have these pockets of joy. And thank God for those moments. It's incredible that we have those moments of joy, but that doesn't sustain you. See, the purpose of the star is to lead you to the house. Because when you open the door to the house, you will find intimacy with the king. When they came into the house and they saw Jesus, they were overcome. They fell to the ground, they worshiped him, and they opened up their gifts. When they came into the house, See, many of you are here tonight and you, you follow the star. You've chosen him. You're saved. Jesus is your master and teacher and praise God for that. And if you don't know him tonight, we'll talk about that in a moment. But maybe you wonder why you don't have intimacy with Jesus. Maybe Herod's palace scared you off from going the next five miles. You wonder why you don't have intimacy with Jesus. Maybe you're just kind of peering in the windows of the house. Too scared to go inside. 
it's time to open the door. It's time to go into the house. Because that's the place he resides. But here's the thing. He, he won't force you to open the door. It's only though when you choose to go into the house. When you choose to have that intimacy with him. It's only then you can offer those gifts to him. You can't just set it on the porch like an Amazon package. He's looking for a relationship, a deeper relationship. I'm talking to every single person in this room. He wants another step with him, another, another step in his presence with him, just like in the garden. But he's so loving that he won't force you because that's what love is. It's a choice. And many Christ followers will be content with just following a star every once in a while, having moments of joy, real joy. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. But they will stop at the front door of the house and not go in. And he's inviting you tonight to come into the house. He's moving you from intellect to intimacy. A transition of head to heart. But he's not going to force you. Only you can decide to open that door. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop allowing your mind to stop where your heart needs to go. Don't lean on your own understanding. See, so you're going to have to lean and put all of your, the weight of your mind on him, the mind of Christ. In all your ways, in everything, yada him. Become intimate with him. Come into the house. Then he will make all of your ways straight. When they came into the house, they were overcome. Falling to the ground, they worshipped him. They opened their treasure boxes full of gifts. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Whenever you see three in scripture, Isaac talked about it last week. It's very important, the power of three. I've been fascinated even more so ever since our Trinity series when we first literally came into this house a year and a half ago at the power of three. See, it's, it's, it's an agreement. See, God himself is three in one. You can't separate the three, but they agree with each other. Remember in creation, he said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image the power of agreement. He agrees with himself, which was why when you see three in the Bible, it's so very important. John says in, in uh, one of his, I think his first or second John, he says the blood and the water and the spirit agree. That's talking about Jesus at the moment of his death, that those three things, his blood, the water that gushed from his side, and his spirit, he had to willingly, because he was God and man, he had to willingly give up his spirit and come into agreement with what was happening. And those three things had to agree in the greatest moment of, of everything, of eternity. The power of three. So when you see something like gold, frankincense, myrrh, pay attention. When you see that Jesus only brought his three closest disciples to the Mount Transfiguration, or kicked all the other disciples out of the house and left just three, pay attention. He's about to do something. So I don't know what the, the kingmakers knew about bringing three gifts. Maybe they had some insight to this. Maybe they didn't. I'd love to find out one day. But they prophesied whether they knew it or not. And see, here's the thing. If you've come into the house, into his presence, you can give gifts. Did you know you have gifts to give the king? You have gifts to give the king. This is absolutely incredible. See, your gift is also a weapon. Listen to me. From that place of intimacy, gold becomes a weapon. Frankincense becomes a force 
Myrrh becomes a sword. It's the power of three and the place of intimacy, the house. You've probably never heard a message preached about this before, have you? Neither have I. Revelation 12, hang with me. This is awesome. Revelation 12:11 says this. And they, this is you and me, this is the conquerors, and they conquered him, meaning the evil one, the dragon. You and I conquered him by three things. The blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. Three, pay attention. Three ways, all working in agreement that you have overcome the evil one. The blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and you don't love your life even unto death. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Gold is the blood of the lamb. The mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant was covered in gold. It's the place in the old covenant where the presence of God resided. It's the place where the blood was sprinkled to atone for sins in the Old Testament. And the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who died in your place and my place, his blood was sprinkled figuratively on that mercy seat for you. It's the gold standard. His blood speaks a better word. The blood and his word are the same most powerful force ever. And if you've turned your life to him, you're covered by his blood. That's the gold you bring him. In Revelation 4, check this out. John, remember, God says, come up here, and a door opens. He comes into a house. The house happened to be the throne room of God. John walks into the throne room of God in his vision, and each elder, 24 elders, has a crown of what? Gold on their head. And they're looking at the throne and they see the slain Lamb of God who also becomes the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's one and the same. And because of the Lamb of God on the blood shed for you on the mercy seat, the 24 elders take off the gold crowns and put them at the feet of Jesus. Gold, the blood of the Lamb. Frankincense is the word of your testimony. Mary in John 12 comes into a house. Remember the story? And she takes the most costly thing she had, this jar of nard, which very well could have been either frankincense or lavender. They're very closely related. And she breaks it at the feet of Jesus. And you remember Judas in that moment who was a thief tried to steal that moment in the house. A lot of times you know the presence of God because of you see the evil reaction. Watch out for that in your lives. And it can cause you some distraction, but remember Jesus says, no, she's done the right thing. She took the most precious thing she had and she broke it in front of me. Frankincense, the word of your testimony. And when she broke that fragrance, it filled the entire house. Mary was so overcome by what Jesus had done for her in her life, that she had no choice but to take the most costly earthly treasure she had and break it. Releasing a fragrance of heaven in the house. See, your intimacy, your yada with Jesus doesn't just affect you. Listen to me. It affects everyone around you. It affects everyone in the house. The word of your testimony releases a fragrance in the house that spills over and affects the person next to you. Revelation 5 again tells us that our prayers, our words to the Father, the word of our testimony releases literally a fragrance in the throne room. This is incredible. So breaking our frankincense jars here on earth, releasing the testimony of Jesus within us, releases both a fragrance in heaven and on earth, tying them together, affecting everyone around you. Myrrh, you don't love your life unto death. Myrrh is a costly perfume that they used for embalming at death. The Magi were literally prophesying the death of Jesus. They probably didn't know it. 
Nicodemus in John 19, after the death of Jesus on the cross, he brings the body of Jesus to a different kind of house, a tomb. It was a new tomb. No one had ever laid there before. It was, it was carved in stone just for Jesus. I think that the story of Nicodemus is so sweet, that intimacy where they met at night, where he believed, but he was still stuck in the, this, this old tradition. And he started to break out of it, but it was that moment of Jesus' death where can you literally imagine taking myrrh and embalming the body of Jesus? Nicodemus had that honor because of the intimacy that he had with Jesus. Myrrh is the gift of yourself. It's a call to death. To do as your master told you to do, to take up your cross and follow him. That you are not so attached to your earthly life that you have the willingness to lay down your life for your king, just like he did for you. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, the blood of the lamb, the word of your testimony, and you don't love your life unto death. Why don't you stand up? Just close your eyes if you would. Intimacy, yada, is a progression. It's a progression with your father. And I'm not sure where you are on your journey following that star today. Maybe you're just glimpsing the star for the first time tonight, and that's, that's awesome. Maybe you've never heard of Jesus before until tonight. And this is the flash of light in the sky that your dark soul needs. Because he looks, looks just like you. You are made in his image. He died a brutal death on a cross that should have been yours. He came as an innocent tiny baby and lived as the second Adam, a perfect life. He faced everything you faced and more. And he did it with perfection. And the only way you can get to the Father is through him. The only way. There is no other way. And he says, narrow is the door. Few find it to him. Wide is the gate to destruction. And maybe you're on the destructive path. Maybe you did follow the star for a little bit and you've turned back around to Babylon. I, I don't know. The Holy Spirit knows and he's talking to your heart, your house right now. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you come back to him. And right now in this moment, all you have to do is, is turn to him. It's, it's something that happens in your house, in your heart, in your temple. You just turn where you are, just like John in Revelation 1. He turned and he saw the risen Savior. And you just say from your heart, you believe on him with your heart. Say, Jesus, be my master. Be my Savior. Be my King. Maybe 500 years has gone by in your generational line and they haven't known this Jesus. Well, today is a new start. Daniel's in town. Today is your day. You can come back to him. He's been waiting for this night for a long time because he knows your name. He knows everything about you. He knows the struggles you're going through. He knows what wrecks you, what makes you happy and sad. He's been there the whole time. So start out on your journey. And if you made that decision just now in this moment, I want to talk to you afterwards, or you can talk to somebody next to you that brought you, but don't say nothing. Tell someone it's the greatest decision of your life to start following the star, following the light. rest of us, I don't know where you're at in our journey, but
but everyone's got another step to take tonight. You've seen the star. Your foundation is joy. You're eight years in, you're 50 years in, you're 70 years in, you're one month in, doesn't matter. Are you continue to step after his presence? Here's the thing about intimacy with Jesus. Are you standing on the porch of that house, of your own heart, and peering in the windows, and you, you're, you do want to walk inside, but you're scared of it. Don't be scared. There's nothing but love and grace and peace for you in that house. And tonight is the night I think you're going to open that door and walk in walk into the living room. There's a lot of doors in your house. There's a lot of doors that, that need his presence. Walk right in. And then my prayer is that when you walk in and encounter him, even in this moment, Jesus, that you would be overcome by what he did for you. come and kneel at these altars. They're, they're open. They're always open. But I'd invite you down. If you want to break into that house where he is, if you want to take another step of intimacy with him, if you want to unleash some more joy in your life, to have him tell you things he's been waiting to tell you for years, you just haven't walked into the house. so proud of you. He's saying Luke 2.14 again tonight. He's saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill. Good news towards men. I see you and I love you because you're covered with the righteousness of my son who broke in and I see nothing but grace and peace over your life. And son, come back to me. Daughter, come back to me. I'm waiting at the edge of the house. I'm waiting for you to break in, but you got to make the first move. You got to move from the pig pen of your life back to the Father's house. You got to make the decision to come back to the house. You got to make the decision to move into the living room and kitchen. You've got to make that decision. And there's yet others of us tonight that we're in that house of intimacy. It's a beautiful place. But he's asking of you, are you gonna bring me a gift? Remember, he's, he, he won't force it. He wants it to come out of love. And I don't know what that gift is that you're bringing tonight, but I just release you to bring it. I just release you right now to bring gold. See, some of you have been bringing silver in different areas of your life. And you're like, yeah, that's pretty, silver's pretty good. It, it, what it is. But our God has a standard of gold. And he's asking you, because of the blood he shed, he's asking you, just tugging on your heart, saying, in that area, change it up. Bronze is not good enough for the king of kings. Silver is not good enough for the savior of the world. Gold is where it's at. Gold is where it's at. So bring him gold tonight. Bring him, bring him yourself tonight. He'll cover you with his blood. Some of you have been gripping on to that thing that's so costly. The thing of this earth, even the thing that he gave you. It's like the crown that he places on your head, like those 24 elders. It's a good gift, but you've made it an idol. You've made it something that's controlling your life. And he's asking you right now in this moment, will you break that at my feet? And what happens when you break it at his feet in the house is it affects everyone around you. Your vulnerability will break open intimacy to your neighbor. Do not hold back in this moment. 
Jesus, we break jars that are precious to us at your feet. We, we release the word of our testimony. We're broken people, but our testimony is Jesus' promises are always yes and amen in our lives. So, Father, right now, break in and break through. Give people courage to, to physically step forward and give you something and break something at your feet. The fear of man is so deadly. The spirit of Herod mm, keeps us from going that extra five miles. Father, I... I come against that spirit of Herod, that fear of man in Jesus' name. The fact is that every single person wants to be up here on, the, on their face. Your heart longs for an encounter with Jesus Christ. Would you break us down? Would you break our pride? Would you break our stubbornness? Would you just call us to come into the house and be overcome by your presence. Can you imagine seeing Jesus as a six-month, two-year-old baby boy? His kingship, even at that young age, his presence had to be so powerful that it caused kingmakers to fall on their face at the sight, at the presence of the king of kings. My prayer tonight is that you give him something. Don't give him nothing. Give him something. Take a step of intimacy with him. Make a jar. Maybe it is that fear, that, that fear of death, that fear of sickness, that myrrh. You need to bring a myrrh tonight. You're holding on to your life too tightly. And you need to take a step forward and say, Father, I lay it down. That even in my death you will be glorified. So come what may. That's freedom right there. Anxiety will break off right there. Fear will break off. You will dance like David danced when you can live your life with abandonment like a drink offering poured out to Jesus. Father, we bring you these gifts tonight. We speak against the traditions of man and we bring gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We proclaim that the blood of Jesus is the strongest word that speaks a better word in our life. The gold standard by which we live. We bring you frankincense. We break the costly things at your feet. Father, fill this room with a fragrance. Fill this room with your presence because of the jars people are breaking all over the place. Your gift becomes a weapon. And we give you our lives as a living sacrifice. We take up our cross. And we say publicly, <laughs> we're yours. Our hands are open. There's nothing anyone can do to us that won't result in us ending up in your presence. We say tonight that our greatest treasure is you. That your presence is what we're after. That's what we're really saying tonight is these are the gifts we're bringing to you. That your presence is the thing. Would you break us open and break us down? Would you shine your light, break into that silent darkness just like you did 2,000 years ago? Break into these hearts. 
shift something. As gifts are being given back to you, shift something in the environment. Shift something in the atmosphere. Shift something in homes and hearts. Shift something in these houses. Father, we're so thankful for this house. Proverbs says, the house of the wise, there are stores of choice food and oil. When you make him the Lord of your house, he gives you the oil of the Holy Spirit that flows out from it. He gives you seed like the word of God, a revelation that flows out from it. Jesus because wisdom is actually you wisdom is Jesus you are wisdom so come into these houses come into these temples invade these spaces where the jars have been broken where our lives are being poured out where gold is being offered Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. You have a choice to make. The world has a choice to make. You can't hide anymore. There's too much exposing that the Spirit of God is doing and shaking around the world. You have to choose a side. And Joshua said, but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm just sensing families choosing tonight, making a, an open declaration. This is who we choose. We choose Jesus. So if you're if you're around your family tonight, you can you can come forward, you can you can gather around, but just lay hands on them. Father, we declare in Jesus' name that we've made a choice. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the King of Kings. We will serve the one whose name is Jesus, whose name is above every name. And we invite you into our house. We thank you for your presence in this 307 house. We thank you that you are breaking in because of an invitation to new houses tonight, new hearts tonight. Darkness is fleeing, light is coming. We thank you for these families represented here. They are marked by your presence. let him speak to you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. We come into agreement with that. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb that was slain. We ascribe to you greatness, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for breaking in for us. Thank you for rescuing us from a pit of destruction.
thank you for the star that lights the way, for the joy that is our foundation, the joy that is our strength. And thank you for this season of intimacy that will become the foundation for the next eight years. We love you, Jesus. We bless you. We worship you. people agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing out with some joy. How about that?